Welcome to the Our Infinite God podcast. This podcast exists to encourage the local church to right thinking and right actions by meditating on God. We believe that right understanding of our infinite God will give us a clearer picture of everything else. My name is Alex Cook. My name is Philip Long. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Philip. Hey, Alex. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Doing really well. Uh, I am. It's good to see you. It's, it's been a while. It has been far too long. Yeah, far too long. Um, what are we talking about today? Today we are picking up perhaps the biggest attribute of God we've picked up yet. Mm. Maybe that's not true. We talked about God being infinite. I'm not sure you can literally be bigger yeah. <laughs> than infinite. Yeah. Okay, biggest isn't the right word. Maybe we're picking up one of the most, I don't know. It's really challenging Hardest and hard to... and also maybe one of the most glorious. Amen. And that is we are going to discuss God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. Yes. And so uh, if people maybe are around Bible church I've heard things. that word that's, plenty of times terms, in church. Yeah, but that's probably not a term that... Uh, I don't use it every day. No, no. And you don't pro- and probably in today's world, we don't use it outside of the Bible. So help yeah, us... And first off, like our government is not even set up right. as uh, like other nations that are ruled by a king yes. or a dictator. The dictator is sovereign. He may use that word. Right. The we sovereignty of his yeah. title. Right. But we don't have that. Yeah. We've got balance of powers. Rightfully so for all humanity uh, that should be in place because of sin. So help us understand this idea. Define. Can you help us define what sovereignty means, especially as we're talking about uh, God and God being sovereign? Absolutely. Okay, so I have found R.C. Sproul's definition really helpful because, yeah. you know, you say, yeah, God's sovereign. And almost in any church, people can be like, amen. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And so I really, I have found R.C. Sproul's definition really helpful. And what he says is that there is no maverick molecule in the entire universe. Not mm-hmm. one maverick molecule. Meaning there's not one atom out of balance, out of step, in disobedience. Well, not necessarily disobedience, but outside of God's control. Right. And so there are plenty of things that are disobedient to God, but God is still ultimately in control and that nothing is doing anything outside of God's control. Amen. And so I really like that. And so, and just to kind of look at this in a different angle, Jonathan Edwards was like this theologian preacher back in the day, and he had 95 resolutions. Right. And 95 things he resolved to do to better himself. One of those was that he resolved not to get mad at an inanimate object. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, because he believed in God's sovereignty. He believed that God was in control of everything. Yeah. Everything. And so, if that was the case, he said... So like me, man, uh, one of my jobs is fixing lawnmowers and, um, you know, cutting grass. And so, man, I like this is a kick in the gut for me because I can be guilty of this. <laughs> I'm like changing and a bolt breaks and then I'm just like mad, ready to that just cuss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm getting mad and at this bolt. And but really, like Jonathan Edwards pointed out, like, really, you're getting mad at God. Because it's like that bolt didn't have a, 
uh, a will to choose <laughs> to disobey. Right. It's just it's so. Um, so you're just mad at the manufacturer of the bolt. <laughs> well, that's that's my loophole to get okay, out of it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> They're there falling. You go. But yeah, so but it's true. It's like he had a healthy understanding of God's sovereignty, that God's in control of everything, and so he resolved not to get mad at an inanimate object. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's not one single thing outside of God's control. Yeah. God has ordained all things to pass, and He's in control. That's a very big claim. Yeah, and I think it's a very good and biblical claim well that gets into my question yes is that biblical yes what i just said is that biblical yes absolutely and i, I kind of answer that in two parts um one to give some some uh, just a handful of individual verses i think these are, are hooks you can hang on to and say yes this is this proclaims god's sovereignty uh so job at the end of his you know incredible saga and all he's been through uh including lots of tragedy of course saw uh, job 42.2 says, I know that you can do all things and that no purposes of yours can be thwarted, mm. which is incredible considering all that he went through. Uh, Lamentations 3.37, uh, the prophet says, Who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? So not a single word has been spoken that mm. God did not ordain. Amen. Wow. Uh, Jesus uh, says in Matthew 10.29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? Mm. So God is sovereign over every single bird of the world and whether it lives or dies. Yeah. Uh, Psalm 115.3, Our God is in the heavens, and He does all that He pleases. So there is never a purpose of God that He tries to do something and decides... Uh, I can't do it because this is in my way. You know, he's never stopped by that. Yep. He does everything he wants to do. So those are all verses I think that, that we can hold on to and help explain that. A small portion yes. of the many, 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 many verses. That yeah, say that. and we made a list here. There's there's five or six more just on our list. I just pulled up another page of you know thirty. Ver- so you could keep going with that. Yeah. But I think another helpful way to approach this is to look at the big picture of the entire Bible. Or a little yep. bit more narrow is to look at some of the stories, some of the narratives yep. of the Bible. And one of the clearest of those is Joseph's story, which I'll try to recap briefly. Uh, if you know Joseph's story, it's in the last part of the book of Genesis, chapter 37, all the way to chapter 50 in Genesis. And he was the 11th out of 12 brothers mm-hmm. born uh, to uh, his father, who, became, who is Israel. So these are 12 tribes of Israel. And... He, from the beginning, gets a vision that he is going to be a king uh, over these people, and so over, over everybody. And that happens, of course. But you know, as you go for if for us looking back now, we can go ahead and jump to the end of that story, yeah. where after all that he's gone through, slavery. Uh, his brothers have put him through slavery, uh, all that he's done, prison. Uh, right, right. Um, he's able to say at the very end of his story. Uh, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about uh, that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So at the end of Joseph's story, he says God was in control. This was all according to God's plan. Even their evil, they yep. sold him into slavery. And so uh, I think one of the points of Joseph's story is that when you see the end of the story, you can see that God is sovereign and he's in control all the way through. 
and that verse portrays that it's not that God was uh, fumbling and like, oh, oh, I didn't mean for this to happen. Let me see right. what I can do with it. No, it says from the get-go, from the very beginning, God meant it this yep. way. Yep. And so some of those things were uh, that his brothers were going to kill him, but they mm. decided uh, because one brother stepped up, they decided to sell him into slavery. He goes and works for a man named Potiphar. The Lord is with him, blesses him, and He's doing well there, but then Potiphar's wife tries to trick him into sleeping with him. Mm-hmm. When Joseph runs away, the Potiphar's wife lies about him, blames it on him, has him thrown in jail. He's in jail for years. Mm-hmm. He helps out Pharaoh's uh, cupbearer and uh, interprets a dream, yep. two dreams really, yep. and the cupbearer forgets about him. Mm-hmm. He's in jail even longer. Yep. And so you... In the middle of all that, if we didn't know the end of the story, we could say, "Where God, where are you? Yeah. Where are you? And uh, my little girl, Lois, I remember when we, we would uh, read Bible storybooks and stuff, um, you know, that have illustrations and different things. Uh, you know, the, the, the storybook Bible would describe Joseph or Jonah or whoever else. And, but it would start talking about God. And she would point to the pictures and she'd say, Dad, where's God? Mm-hmm. Everybody else is drawn on the picture. They're drawn yeah. on the page. I can see Joseph. I can see whoever. But where is God? And I think that's what we ask so many times in the middle of the story. We mm. say, where is God? I hear you're talking about him, but I don't see him. Yeah. And if we don't know the end of the story, then we, we may not understand it. Yeah. But we can look to the end of Joseph's story and see how he had a plan. So now, what do you say? Do you say, like, he's everywhere? <laughs> yeah, to Lois when she asks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I say we don't. He's he is everywhere. He's here with us, but we don't draw he wrote the, the story. picture. Yeah, he wrote it. He's in charge. Yeah, um, but thankfully, because Genesis, the the whole story of Genesis is recounting this all according to God's plan. We we, we even know even in the middle of the story. So Genesis uh, thirty nine, it says the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. Uh, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. So even in the middle of the story, we get those reminders, and we see God is in control. And so I just think those narratives, those stories, help us understand our story a little bit better, understand uh, that God, through it all, he has a plan, and he is in control. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Now, Alex, we've said he's sovereign. Yes. We've seen it in the Word. We've understood that a little bit. But already... Yeah. Objections are popping up in people's minds. They're thinking, okay, he may be sovereign, mm-hmm. but what does that mean about this? And I think the two areas that people are most likely to think about are, what does this mean about salvation? Mm-hmm. You know, how I'm saved, how other people are saved. And what does it mean about bad things? Suffering. Yeah. Salvation and suffering. Now, we've been trying to answer those questions, I think, Everybody is trying to answer those questions yeah. forever. Yeah. So I know you can't exhaust that, but can you at least point us in the right direction? If we're thinking, okay, God is sovereign. What does it mean about salvation and suffering? I don't think people really struggle with those questions. <laughs> Let's just move on. You don't know people, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I mean, golly, that is the question, especially in our culture. Right. Those are the two questions or pushback. When you, when you really define sovereignty the way the Bible does, those are the two things in our culture. Especially someone who's outside of Christianity yeah. or someone who is saved and is just saved. They're going to say, well, what about suffering or what about salvation? Uh, did, God, did, did God save me? Um, 
And so we'll, let's look at that. Let's look at that. We'll start with salvation. So it talks about there's this dynamic in Scripture mm-hmm. that man is responsible for his actions. Right. That's undeniable. God did not make robots. Yep. Um, but at the same time, there's a bunch of verses that say that God um, predetermined, God chose yep. those who would be saved. And so we, and like we've said before in this podcast, we do not just pick a handful of Scripture and that's what we base our understanding of God on. We take the entire Bible. Right. And so uh, we don't need to be scared of those words because they're in the Bible. Hmm. And so um, in a lot of places. And so I'm just going to pick just a couple to look at just because of time. But Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that, um, uh, first off, Ephesians 1, 4 says that God chose us before the foundation of the, the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I'll stop right there because I really love what D.L. Moody says about that. Uh, D.L. Moody says, when you walk through heaven's gates, at the, uh, over the gate it will say, this is in Romans 10, I believe, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Yep. And amen. That's Absolutely. true. Absolutely. Whoever, if you're listening right now and you don't know God, today can be the day of salvation for you. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then D.L. Moody says, when you walk through the gates and you look back, you'll see written over the gate, Ephesians 1.4, I have chosen you before the foundation of the earth. Right. And so both of those are true. Right. And they don't... Um, contradict. Contradict. Yeah. We Now, we are humans. We are mm-hmm. limited, and God is unlimited. If we could fully understand God... Yeah. He would not be God. Right. When we dive into studying God, there's going to be points where we come to where we throw our hands up and we, we say, wow, God is big. I don't fully understand. Yeah. And so just because we can't fully wrap our heads around every little deta- detail and tie nice little bows doesn't mean that it contradicts. It just means that we're limited. Right. And we're studying a limitless God. And so uh, Ephesians 1 4 says that He chose us before the foundation of the earth. And so God's in control of our salvation. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, and just to nail that even further is Ephesians 2 8 and 9 says that even our ability to believe right. is a gift from God. If you, don't, if you don't trust me, look it up yourselves. Um, it is in the scriptures. And see, now, this should give us great comfort Absolutely. that God's in control of our salvation. Because if it was up to us, I know for me personally, if it was up to Alex Cook to keep We'd me saved, lose it. I would lose my salvation. Absolutely. But the promises of God keeping us can be rock solid mm-hmm. because he's the one doing the work from the beginning. Yep. And so a Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 can be true, and I'm paraphrasing, it says that he who started a good work in you will continue it and complete it in the day of Jesus Christ. And so the promises that God will keep us, that eternal security, is that we will remain faithful till the end. It, is, it can be true mm-hmm. because it's God who does the work in salvation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'll just jump in on that. that uh, I think your observation about how that's a, that pushes against us in our culture 
Yeah. Uh, that is a little bit of a cultural thing. We, we as kind of Westerners, especially Americans, Americans, we want to be self-autonomous. We yeah. want to do our own thing. And not every culture struggles with this the same way. Yeah. But we, we have this mindset of, I made this decision, and I, 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 I brought myself out of this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's just a very inflated view of our abilities. Yeah. And, uh, and we, don't, we don't actually want that. If we really, truly, like you just said, we would have no assurance. If we knew the depth of our own sin and our depravity, yeah. we need God to save us and to pull us out yeah. and for our assurance to be based on Him. Yep. If it was based on us choosing him, we would unchoose him all the time. Yeah. And we would leave that as yeah. quick as possible. And so um, just like the old hymn, uh, Come Thy Fount. Mm-hmm. It's just prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Absolutely. Take my heart, Lord, take my heart and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Yeah. And that's thank God that's what he does. Right. Because right. we are so easily prone to wander. Yeah. Yeah, so I remember when I came to this, when I was reading through the Bible and came to this, and understand, because I, I was saved before I understood how much God did for me. And I think that happens to almost everybody, that after we're saved, you go grow to a better understanding of what really happened in our salvation. Yeah. And when I came to the, the, the doctrine of God's sovereignty and of His election, I fought against that because I wanted to prove my own free will. Yeah. And to prove that I'm in control. And I, I know this brings up probably more questions than <laughs> answers, but just we almost need a whole podcast. We do, we do. On but this. And, and maybe we will pick it up again. But just that there is this desire to push for our, our free will that I think isn't isn't really coming from a helpful healthy place. It's coming from a place of sin where I wanted to be in charge. But truthfully, we shouldn't. We yeah. should recognize it's a very good thing God's in control. All right. I, so I'm going to move on just because yes, we could spend all yes. day here. But I will say this wrapping up, this one topic, the Bible's clear. Right. Man is responsible for his actions, yes. and God is in control yes. of all things. We can't, and so we just sometimes have to leave it at that. Yep. Um, and then also as Christians, we find our answers in the Bible, right. and we have to submit to the Bible. Yes. If the Bible says something we don't like, do we tear out that page and throw it away? No, we submit to it because we believe in God. We believe in Jesus. We believe yep. this is God's holy word, yep. and we we submit to that. Yep. So at the end of the day, that's where I'm going to fall, right? Because I bow the knee to Christ. Did you okay. want to pick up suffering? Yes, yeah, so suffering. Okay. Yes. This is, so this is going to be easy compared Even, to that, right? No, these are heavy topics. Okay, so suffering, um, and let me just phrase the question even harder. Yeah. Why do bad things happen to good people? Right. I mean, that's that's what people say out there. Right. If God's, if God's in charge, yeah. yeah. If God's good, if God's a, if God's really in control, mm-hmm. sovereign, then why does why does He allow bad things to happen? Mm. And I love the way Vody Bacham addresses this. And there's a YouTube clip y'all can look up. Um, probably just type in that question: Why do bad things happen to good people? Vody Bacham. And, uh, and the way he says it is, I will answer the question when you ask it right. And then and he'll say, like, when he says that to people, people are like, what are you talking about? I'm the one asking the question. What do you mean? <laughs> he says, I'll answer your question when you ask it right. And they're like, what do you mean? And he says, when you ask the question, how can a holy, righteous God 
who knows all the sins I've committed against him, all the bad thoughts I've had towards other people, um, how can that God let me take another breath? When you ask that question, we can get somewhere. Right. And and really, I need to stop there and dive just a little bit deeper because let me just let me because some of y'all listening might be like, well, that's a little harsh. Let me put it like this: If I could take all the thoughts you had last week and record them, and then I'm going to fill up a movie theater of all your family, all your friends, and we could play your thoughts just for two hours, every thought you had. For the past week, you would run out screaming in horror. <laughs> yeah. I know I would. Yeah. It's because we 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 think, especially in our culture, that we are righteous. Mm-hmm. Like we're just, that we deserve heaven. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we have a problem. We have a sin problem. Yeah. And God would be perfectly righteous to bring his punishment on all of us and save mm-hmm. none yeah. Nobody deserves salvation. Hmm. And, and that's the definite. I mean, that right there is the gospel. Gospel means good news because of grace. Amen. Grace is a gift we don't deserve. Amen. We have to start there um, because that's the gospel. We don't deserve that gift. Hmm. We deserve punishment for, for our rebellion against God. And so the question isn't why did bad things happen to good people because there is no good person out there right and we've all done bad things against a good god and so so that that's kind of just a foundation at approaching this question once we start there then we can start to get to the right answer and so really the question is why does god allow sin Mm. we are all sinners Mm. and so why does god even allow sin is really the best question to ask and there's some people who are listening to this who have really suffered greatly. And the good news is Christianity is the only worldview out there that gives them any hope of justice. Right. Because, like, let's just take the atheistic worldview. Well, it just says, well, it's survival of the fittest. Well, you should have been stronger, quicker, faster. Yeah. Whatever, a smarter, that's just what you were dealt. Those who have been hurt and mistreated, they are get weeded out, and the strong survive. Well, Christianity doesn't say that. Christianity says that um, there will be justice for all, mm-hmm. and every single sin will be paid for, either in hell or on the cross. And so we have a great hope in Christianity in Jesus for all sin being paid for. But the question is, why does God even allow sin? Because really... If God just destroyed sin right when it happened, well, he would destroy he would destroy me a long time ago. Right. It's in God's grace and mercy that he allows us to exist yeah. Yeah. and to repent right. and come to him. And God's glory is better seen, better displayed in his loving sinners and choosing to die for them than without sin in the world. Can you say that one more time? So... I don't know if I can say it exactly the same way, but that was my next point. I was getting to. Oh, I'm to. sorry. Okay, no, well, but just that. Yeah. If if so, if God, if there was no sin, you know, He would have just made it made robots. Yes. Because we would have we would. But so since He didn't make robots, He made us, and we chose against Him. We see God's glory all the more mm-hmm. because 
He loved us while we were sinners, mm-hmm. while we were against Him, which shows His love and mercy and His, His glory even more that He would love sinners. Anybody loves people who loves them. Yep. God loves people who hated Him mm-hmm. and not just loved Him a little bit. He loved us enough to die for us. Yep. And so we can see God's character better because of sin. And so, that's hard. So I'm going to say exactly what you just said in a different way. All right. So Jonathan Edwards approaches this uh, question. Why is there evil sin in the world? And th- the way he answers it is, before creating earth, everything that loved God um, was in his presence. They didn't do anything to not be in God's presence. And they loved God because God made them to love God. Like angels, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not people. Because right. people weren't made yet. But so some of his attributes could be displayed, but not all his attributes. Hmm. He had yet to display the attribute of his mercy yep. and grace. And so he made a world where he knew people would rebel against him, would not love him. And even though those people deserve punishment, he chose that he would intervene in their lives and love them anyway. That way, all of creation throughout eternity can stand up and applaud God for executing his mercy and grace. Amen. And so God is love. That's what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And so God uh, loving people who don't deserve it, he came up with a way to display how incredibly fierce God could love a people who don't deserve it. Amen. And so I think that's helpful in understanding the dynamics dynamics of the world we live in. It doesn't answer every little question about no. suffering, no. but it's just given us a little bit of a foundation to stand on. Yep. So let's move on. <laughs> Once again, we could be here forever. So how should God being sovereign affect our lives? Yeah, I think there's two things that um, really come to the surface for me. If, if God wasn't sovereign, man, just life, we, we don't really want that. We, if we're honest, we don't want that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God being sovereign, for one, it should give us some humility. Um, we, we go through life trying to control so many things, whether that just be, uh, you know, as we age or as we're, you know, trying to accomplish something, you know, we, we may try to work out and diet, it's, you know, whatever. Try, we're trying to control our own bodies. Uh, we kind of we try to control uh, possessions and build things and repair things or whatever else. We try to build and control relationships. We try to control people. Uh, we can try we try to control our spouse, our kids, and God certainly gives us some stewardship that we have responsibilities with all those things. But man, it's we've got to be humble enough to say, ultimately, God's in charge of all of those things. Amen. God determines my height. God determines, and He has set up my relationship with my wife, with my kids. He has put me in my job. He has put me in my town. God has done all these things, and I have to step back sometimes and say, I've got to be humble enough to accept those things, even, even if there are times where I, I question, okay, why, why did this thing happen? Okay, I, I can try to search for an answer, or I can be humble enough to say, "Okay, God, let that thing happen." Yeah. What? What? How can I? How can I seek to glorify Him in it and through it? Yeah. So there's some humility there, but even even on top of that, there's hope. 
in this. Yeah. You know, uh, I think you're, you're the one to put the note here about Psalm 121. You know, I look to the heavens, you know, where does my help come from? Yep. My help comes from the Lord, yep. maker of heaven and earth. Yep. If God was not in control, we would have no hope. Amen. There would be, there would be no sense of assurance that God really is going to save the day. Yep. God really, his promises are true. Yep. Uh, he has done what he said he's done. He will do what he said he's going to do. And if, if God's not in control, none of those things, we, we couldn't bank on it. Yeah. You know? I, I told you I was going to be here at 10 o'clock today. Alex, what time did I get here? It was probably 1 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> no, it I was, think like it was like 10 20. 10 20, yeah. I, I, I tried, but I am not sovereign. Yeah. And there were things somewhat in my control, but other things not in my control. And I did not keep my promise today. And that never happens with God. Amen. God will always keep his promises. And there's just, there's just so much hope being able to trust and bank on the character of God. Yeah. Yeah, knowing he is sovereign. All right, so Alex, that leads me to one more question uh, about Jesus. You know, if we think about God's sovereignty. We think about all he's done. But, and we've already mentioned this briefly, but, but help me think about Jesus. His life, death, and resurrection, how does that influence our view of God's sovereignty? Yeah, um, and this is huge because... Uh, for me, this is kind of, this is like the cherry on top of God's sovereignty. I mean, what's the greatest sin that ever took place? Crucifying Jesus. Killing okay. yeah. innocent God yeah. in the form of flesh here on earth. That is the worst sin that ever took place. Was that outside of God's control? No. The Bible's clear about this. And so God's sovereignty is magnified when we see the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so, if let's just look at Scripture about that. Um, from the very beginning of Scripture, God foretold how he, that what Jesus would do. Right. Uh, in a prophecy, Genesis chapter 3, where it talks about how the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent. Right. The head of the serpent was crushed. On the cross. Yeah. Yeah, so that finds its fulfillment in the cross from the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis 3. Also in Genesis 12, God speaking to Abraham and says, Through your descendants there will be a blessing to all nations. All nations, yeah. And that's what we see today uh, in Christ. Christ was a descendant of Abraham. And now we live in the time where it's the Great Commission. We go to all nations and preach the gospel, mm -hmm. calling men um, to salvation. And um, and then also, if you look at uh, Psalm 22, yeah, yeah, Psalm 22. So this is something that was just pointed out to me just a few years ago, and it blew my mind, is that, so on the cross, Jesus said, we see in Matthew uh, 27, 46, that he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so, yes, he was feeling that in the moment, God's love was removed and God's wrath was coming on him, paying for our sins. But what he was also doing was pointing to a prophecy in the Psalms about himself. Right. Psalm 22, I'll just read a few verses from it. It starts, the very first line, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it goes on to say, All who see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads, saying, he trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. 
And that's a quote talking about what people would say while Jesus was on the cross. Right. And, I mean, that's word for word what we see in the New Testament, yeah. in the Gospels. It goes on to say in Psalm 22, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a pot sheared. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. It's amazing. This was written hundreds and hundreds of years yeah. before Christ David accomplished. Wrote it. So 1,500 years. Before Christ accomplished it on the cross. And so yeah. this is just one example of many. They're all over the Bible of how these prophecies were foretold, even how Judas. Yeah. would uh, betray him with 30 pieces of silver. Even that's laid out in the Old Testament. And so God is, God, God is not just figuring it out as he goes. Yeah. Even if you go to Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, it says that in the book of life of the Lamb who was slaughtered before the foundation of the world, it says that those who are in Christ, those who were saved, were written in the book of life of the Lamb who was slaughtered before the foundation of the world. And so that's the literal translation of that verse. And it shows us that God knew before he even made a mountain, the oceans, yeah. anything, he wrote a book. It was the Lamb's book of life. And he knew that a lamb would be slaughtered to save his people. And so from the very beginning, it wasn't plan B, it's always been plan A. Yep. And God's not fumbling the ball. God's not creating a clock and stepping back, hoping that it keeps ticking. Yeah. He, he, he's sovereignly in control of all things. And the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ only magnifies that point. Amen. Amen. Yeah, there's one verse maybe I could add on to what you just said. Acts 2.23, this is Peter preaching... On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has descended, and he says, This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And so, man, there's so much right there in that verse, but are these people responsible for the sin of killing Jesus? Yes. Yes. Was it according to God's plan and, and definite foreknowledge? Yes. Absolutely. And so, and praise God for it. Praise yeah. God that He planned this. And uh, so that's just, that, that moment in, encapsulates so much of, the, of our understanding of God's sovereignty. And maybe if I threw one more verse on there, it's because of that, because of what Jesus has done, Romans 8.28 is true. Yes. You know, He says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work to, together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. So called, God has called that's, that's God's sovereignty. He called us to Himself. Mm -hmm. Because He called us to Himself, we love Him. We adore Him. And because we are in that group, we know ultimately all things, even things as horrible as the crucifixion of the Son of God, even those things work for our good. And so that answers, mm -hmm. that goes back to, your suff to the, the point about suffering, to the point about our salvation. God is working this for His plan. Do mm -hmm. we understand it? Absolutely not. We're not God. We don't get it all. 
but we can we get glimpses of it to see God's purposes and uh, and to see the way He's at work. Maybe the last one last thing I would add to that is that um, you can dive deep into God's sovereignty and to try to understand it, and you should. But if it if it only is analytical to us, if it's only about information, then we've missed the point. Mm-hmm. God is not to be analyzed; He's to be adored. Amen. And that language comes from John Piper. He said it that way. That, that this is God. We're 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 supposed to be applauding, adoring, praising God. Yeah. And when we see His sovereignty for what it is, that's what that's what should happen, and does truly happen in our hearts when we see it for what it is and see God for who He is. Uh, because without it, man, we'd be lost. And I think we've touched on this before. It's this head knowledge mm-hmm. should increase our heart knowledge. Amen. And uh, and they work together. And uh, and yeah, it's, we come to points where we're just in God, in awe of who God is, and uh, and we can celebrate that. Amen. All right, Alex. Until next time. Yeah. What are we gonna do? We're gonna dwell on our infinite God. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for listening to our 10th episode and the end of our first season of the Our Infinite God podcast. We want you to know that we are taking a break from recording for the summer, but we are really looking forward to starting season two of the Our Infinite God podcast later on this year. Hey, Alex and I are having a blast uh, doing this podcast together, so thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We want to say a special thanks to all those that we interviewed. It has been great to hear some of their stories and connect with them. Hey, we'd love to hear your feedback on this first season of the podcast, so feel free to reach out. You may already have a way to get in touch with us, which is great, but if not, go to the contact form at the bottom of our website, which is ourinfinitegod.weebly.com. You may even have some ideas for an episode of the podcast or someone you think we should interview. We would love to hear from you. Hey, if you missed any of the first season, now would be a great time that you could go back and catch up on any of our episodes so far. You can find all of them on our website or in any podcast app simply by searching for Our Infinite God. Have a great summer, and until next time, be sure to dwell on Our Infinite God.